0: Welcome to The Kimberly Lane Show. Today, I have an amazing guest, Rhonda. She is a 51-year-old punk rock poet and grandma of five living with systemic lupus and rape trauma. She's a proud mother of Luann and Alexis and an advocate activist for homelessness and all other human rights. If you want to be left feeling inspired and encouraged, stay tuned. Grab something to drink, something to eat, and I hope you stay a while. Enjoy the show. Today, we have the most amazing guest. I have my friend, this amazing woman, brave, strong, resilient, and absolutely talented. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly. Oh, I love you so much. How are you? I am good. How are you, beautiful? I am so
1: excited. This is such a
0: (laughs) wonderful day to be here with you. I'm so pumped. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I cannot wait to dive in.
1: (laughs) This is gonna be so amazing. I just can (laughs) feel it. I'm just electrified right now.
0: Am I coming in clear for you today? Yep, perfect, perfect. Awesome. So, Tell me a little bit about yourself and like share that with the viewers and listeners. Like who is Rhonda?
1: Um, I am a 51 year old grandma of five Mm -hmm. married for 22 years to my wonderful partner and husband, Brian. And I have two daughters, one by choice and one is my um, beautiful um, daughter by choice, Luann. And one is my beautiful stepdaughter, um, who I've never called my stepdaughter ever. So I don't know why I quantified it that way, but her name is Alexis and she um, is just amazing. So, and together I have five grandchildren, Elan, Sunny, Cedar, Maxwell, and Winston.
0: That's amazing. Oh, it sounds yeah, like you
1: have- So mm-hmm. I am all about, all about, um, little boys and one amazing granddaughter.
0: That's so awesome. And you've been long? Holla- okay. So give me the secret. What is the secret to be married for? Oh, you know, 20 some years. Um, patience, <laughs> kindness,
1: trust, honesty, love, but beyond everything else is just good old-fashioned friendship you have to be best friends you have to just absolutely um love each other as friends
0: first everyone you hear that listen to her listen to her (laughs) (sighs) and i know that we met through at the red raven for poetry night right we did 'Cause I because I, I know it's Lauren's uh, poetry night and Shana, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's we so
0: cool did. i I really loved like listening to you and you do poetry. I do. Um I have been a creative
1: writer um for my whole life and a voracious reader and um have been a performer and a drama person, very dramatic um, personality as well my whole life. So um, just kind of came at it from that direction and started um, connecting with the poetry group here at the Red Raven and and started performing that way.
0: Well, I remember listening to you and you, you spoke with such ease and grace and it just was like it was like a normal thing for you and I was so nervous I remember I did my first poetry reading that night and you were so encouraging and made me feel so at home how how did you get used to that process because you look like you like this is completely easy and this was so like safe for you to be up there
1: it's just just my personality I don't know how to describe it it's just a a trait that I have. I love public speaking. I, I don't know. I just, I feel very safe um, in front of people. It's Mm -hmm. just a very safe place for me to be. Um, I've always kind of felt that way. Although I remember high school speech class and being terrified, but I have always been a show off and I was in gymnastics, and a performer, and an actor, and um, whatever, kind of Mm -hmm. um, art-ish, sort of art-adjacent, not super talented, but I had a little bit of talent, enough talent to be involved in dramatics, and whatever, so um, have always had a level of comfort in front of crowds, so
0: yeah. That's awesome. So was there something that drew you to poetry? Was there like a moment or something that you saw? Oh yeah, there's a person, an individual. Her name is Marianne Erickson.
1: She was my English teacher in high school. Um, She, My daughter by choice, Luann Erickson, Um, her birth mother, Um, allowed me to raise her daughter for 10 years as her nanny. Um, That's Mm -hmm. how Luann became my daughter. When her mom passed away, she Mm -hmm. started calling me mom. Wow. So yeah, so this woman was my speech teacher and English teacher and creative writing teacher. And she mentored so many um, students in my school system in a small town in Minnesota. And so I'll just say that she um, was instrumental in pushing me creatively. So I'll just shout out to Marianne Erickson and everyone who um, might listen to this, that's from my high school in Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. They know Mother Mary
0: by mm-hmm. reputation. So yeah, one person. Teachers are so important. They they implement so much into our lives and they can change the direction of our life completely. Oh, uh, and without a doubt. And I
1: um, wanted to be a teacher and pursued teaching as an education um, initially for that purpose, because teachers were my entire universe. Um people that um, shaped who I am as a, a human being, as a, a public servant um, are because of um, teachers and my parents um, and um, my fellow students um, and and friends are, yeah, absolutely, um, without a doubt people, um, who have taught me are, are the reason I am who I am. So I, I shout out to teachers. Yeah. Right on.
0: It's so, it's so wonderful that you've had such a supportive people around you that have encouraged you and what, you know, made you the person that you are. And speaking about your poetry with your poetry, do you speak on certain topics? Like, or do you kind of like talk about just about your life or about, you know, the world yeah um I
1: so Kimberly I started out talking about um my experiences as um somebody with an invisible disability. I have yes. um systemic lupus mm-hmm. um specifically and um I started out talking about that. Mm-hmm. And then it evolved into something else. I got sick of talking about always being sick i wanted to talk about something that was more um meaningful to um a person i was before i was sick and so i started talking about ex-boyfriends so that's (laughs) that's where i am right right now (laughs) <laughs> I'm working through a pile of ex boyfriends, mm-hmm. so um, no one is safe. <laughs> I like that. Get them. Get them. Up. That's right. I'm. I'm on the. I'm on the attack. No, I. Uh, I. I don't have an ex boyfriend that I don't have absolute love and affection for, and I um, treat them with absolute dignity and respect and affection and adoration. And um, I hold them with um, kid gloves.
0: How did it make you feel to start using your poetry, like as a an outlet for, you know, your past relationships or your, your invisible illness?
1: You know? hmm. It's very therapeutic. It, um, but actually it's, it's um, for me it's more the performance aspect that's therapeutic. It's the delivery of what I've written. It's mm-hmm. how I deliver a line more than what the words that I've written or it's it's a pairing of the two things it's It's a dance between the word and the delivery of the two things. I don't want to sound like a serious actor or a serious poet or anything. I'm just a storyteller. Um, you know, but that that's how I look at it. I just write um, little little love stories and little um, little uh, um, nods to past love and, and um, love lost or love found or however you want to look at it.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. You know, art can be so healing and therapeutic. I used to use dance, um, but I kind of use like podcasting as a way of my kind of outlet now. And when you in illness or health conditions and you may not be able to do what you used to do, but you can find other ways that are creative. Cause I think being creative, And doing art things are so important to like healing, like emotionally and, and outlet, you know, using it as an outlet. Yeah. And that's, and that's
1: so interesting that you use the word outlet because that's what Lauren Renee Starling, who runs our local group calls our group is outlet poetry. So it's, it's Mm. so cool that you use that terminology because that's what she calls it. So that's,
0: that's awesome. I love Lauren. I love the fact that she has given us, you know, that safe space to, I used to love going to those, those nights and listening to all the different type of people that would show up and share their, their authentic self, you know, and it's, it's pretty amazing to watch.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really a a great community to be a part of. I've met some of my favorite um, people in the whole world through that, through that group. So I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed.
0: So Rhonda, you mentioned that you um, have some health issues and I would really love to share about your journey, whatever you're comfortable with, like your journey with it, how you got diagnosed and kind of how you um, take care of yourself today and like the things you've gone through.
1: Okay. So um, I'm diagnosed with um, a disease called um, systemic lupus erythmosis. And um, it goes by the um, common terminology of lupus. Um, I have the systemic version, meaning my entire body is affected. Um, And I was diagnosed when I was 16. I'm now 51 um, on July 15th. And I... um, was diagnosed initially with juvenile onset leukemia, um, a Mm -hmm. misdiagnosis, unfortunately. Um, It didn't cost me a lot of time. Um, My dad uh, took me out of that um, teaching hospital and brought me to the University of Minnesota. Um, I was diagnosed actually because a piece of my hair went missing on the back of my scalp. Mm. Um, It just fell out. It was about the size of a quarter. It caused Mm. my mom some concern. So she took me to a dermatologist. Um, He was extremely concerned about the state of my skin and um, sent me to the Mayo Clinic where um, the misdiagnosis occurred. And then six weeks later, I ended up at the University of Minnesota where um, when they did a medical history and a full medical workup, they found out that the elevation in white blood cells and the um, lowered red blood cell count and CBC counts and those type of um, basic, metabolic panel tests um were showing that I in fact had lupus, which was a diagnosis that my mother also shares. Yeah. And at yeah. the time they were stating that it was not a familial disease, when in fact it is um extremely um relative and genetic makeup. So that's um, how I was diagnosed. Um, I was given six months um, um, to live on three different occasions due to um, liver, kidney, and um, nervous system failure um, issues. Um, However, what we've since learned in the medical community, um, not that I'm a member of the medical community, except as a patient, Mm -hmm. but what we've since learned since I was a 16-year-old child, that um, lupus, even in its systemic and its most dangerous forms, um, can be a chronic illness not just a terminal illness. So that's kind of what um, my life has been about coming to terms with, you know, being told as a child, you're gonna die. Hmm. And, And then, you know, kind of me being this really confused adolescent and kind of going around telling all my friends, I'm gonna die of this, mm-hmm. you know, terminal illness, which I believed that information to be true because I was told that, right. um, you know, and then sort of finding out that I was gonna live forever with lupus, but it was gonna be really, really painful. And it was gonna be really hard and it was going to be disabling and disfiguring and um you know impact my life in such a uh i don't know i don't know dramatic fashion i i, I don't know in such a su- such a way that um it has i didn't realize its impact was going to be this way i didn't realize i was going to have 51 years. I didn't realize I was going to be a grandma. That's for sure.
0: Wow. So how do you, what are your symptoms now? Like, do you have symptoms like symptoms every day? I do, um, pain for
1: sure. Every day. Um, there's physical pain, um, primarily in my hip girdle and lower back. Um, my neck, Um, I have a lot of emotional trauma from having a lifelong illness. Um, I'm also a rape trauma um, survivor. So I have that emotional baggage. Um, so I have anxiety and depression. I am you know, I, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, but I work in social services. So I'm surrounded by um, some of that um, heaviness as well. So, you know, there's, there's um, some symptomology that I can't control. And there's some some symptomology that I is situational that I've put myself into. Um, But It's a choice that I've made because I have a skill set that's relatable to the individuals that I serve for work. So,
0: Mm -hmm. first of all, thank you for sharing. You know, this is like a very intimate part of somebody to talk about your health and the struggles that you go through and the, the things you've had to overcome. If somebody, like let's say in Fargo or, you know, North Dakota, Minnesota, are listening, do you have any doctors like that you? Or at hospitals that you recommend somebody to go to if they like can't get the answers they have these symptoms and they're trying to find a doctor that listens. That's so important. Yeah,
1: um, I uh, I have always recommended um, the uh, I like Sanford health in Fargo, the Department of Rheumatology, the Department of Neurology, and um, the Department of Neuroscience. Um, I, and people can always contact me through Facebook or whatever if they want to talk about individual providers, through the Sanford Health System, I'm more than happy to talk about individual providers. yeah, I, I'm
0: for sure.
1: I would, okay. I would love to do that.
0: I, I remember going once to the Sanford, uh, like rheumatology. I was diagnosed actually by a, an, uh, an ophthalmologist with ankylosing spondylitis and the rheumatology mm-hmm. people are so amazing there. I, <laughs> I sister, would agree. You know? I would agree. Some, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: over these years, you've going through like all this, what has gotten you through these hard times? Was it the people, was it the poetry? Like everybody has, you know, when they go through health issues, they don't realize the emotional trauma that is impacted to you by this illness. And I'm just wondering like, what have you, what, what has gotten you through these, these times?
1: Well, first of all, I wanna say that when you do have a lifelong illness, um, there's a lot of PTSD legitimate legitimately excuse me that comes with having a lifelong illness it's 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 reoccurring trauma um and just having to tell your story over and over and over and over and over and being your own medical record is it's it's a hard it's a hard sell and it's having to represent yourself in a uh a salesman type of way that is so it feels very salesman like and i don't mean that to be um insulting to anyone's profession i it's it's just you feel like you have to sell your um story and it's it's your body that you're talking about. It's your spirit and your entire self, and it's it's very, I don't know, it's very upsetting. Oh, and so, I, I just feel like um, finding finding those professionals that will um, work with you are super important, like you said. And what has gotten me through um, my my family and my friends. And I have um, the world's best friends. Um, Shout out to Jenny and John and Hannah and um, my friends who are there for me through Thick and Thin and my husband, Brian and Shana and James.
0: You are an amazing person and anybody is lucky to be your friend, Rhonda. I really mean that. Oh, Kimberly, you're so wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy you're on this podcast, you know, I think oh. you're telling people about you, who you
1: are. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. I, um, I also wanna say about SLE that there's a, um, a lot of invisible symptoms. And I think it's important that people understand that um, there are many, many, many disabilities where you can't see any of the signs or symptoms of the disability, so please don't judge, be kind.
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely would agree. Uh, I think that you said earlier that you are a rape survivor. I am. And I'm tearing up. (laughs) Um, You did not deserve what happened to you, and I am so, so incredibly sorry for the Torment, the hell, the, the everything that happened to you, and I'm—I just wanted to apologize, and I'm really sorry. And uh, I'm also one at, at fourteen. I was assaulted, and I can't imagine, you know, what you went through. And I just wanted to say that I am so sorry, and that you are so brave, and you've—I'm just—I am. Oh, I'm tearing up. <laughs> I oh, I love you. I'm I love so you, bad. and I'm sorry for your trauma. I'm sorry for your pain. Oh, I'm, I'm here for you and um, I just appreciate you sharing that because I know a lot of people go through that and maybe they haven't spoken about it. And yeah, and I just wanted to say thank it's you for import- being
1: here. It's important that we tell our stories. It's important that we share that um, we are still standing and that we will not sit down and shut up
0: Absolutely. I remember back then I went to the uh, the Fargo, the Rape and Abuse Crisis Center. Do they still have that around back there? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you recommend any places to go for people there? Because I don't live there anymore, so I don't know. Yeah, the Rape
1: and Abuse Crisis Center um, has expanded its services recently and brought on more um, human trafficking um, navigators as well as more um, therapy providers and social workers, Uh, the YWCA has human trafficking navigators, YouthWorks um, provides services for um, youth and young adults struggling with um, rape, abuse, um, sexual trauma, and um, human trafficking. Um, I'm very passionate about these topics. As you can tell, I'm like leaning in. Um, so, yeah, um, again, more than happy to um, discuss with anyone about services available in the Fargo-Moorhead area or um, in New York City, You're familiar with the, that area as well. So anybody um, need a referral, I'm more than happy to share. So let's get into some nitty
0: questions. Okay, Roundup? <laughs> let's do it. But, okay, so a lot of people don't talk about intimacy and like chronic illness. Is there any top of your head that you want to talk about initially with intimacy and chronic illness?
1: Yeah, I do. I want to. I I just want to talk about it. Um, I'm not going to talk about it like specific to my relationship, but I'm going to talk about it specific to chronic illness and intimacy. In that, it requires that the the not the the person without disabilities be so patient, kind, caring, and understanding of the, the actual physical pain that the partner with the disabling condition is experiencing. Because for me specifically, my pain is in my hip girdle and my back. So we're talking about a lot of nerve endings.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. So um it's just real important for people to be cognizant of of what we what we're talking about. So um when when you're when you're talking about what is physically involved with um physical intimacy With a partner, you're going to have to probably um, get creative and um, be um, more, just more understanding of of what um, constitutes um, lovemaking or um, what what is the pinnacle of lovemaking for a
0: a couple? Does that make sense, Kimberly? Absolutely. And I feel like each person's going to have their own needs. And a form of intimacy itself is like having that conversation with your partner, having that partner understand and be caring and making sure you're okay. That brings the bond even closer, I feel like, in relationships with chronic
1: illness. Right. And the the definitions definitely get switched up about what con- constitutes intimacy for a couple. It, it, mm-hmm. they, they definitely change. And it just it's just a natural evolution of a relationship anyway.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like for me, if I, when I started dating um, somebody before my boyfriend now, I would be like, okay, these are kind of limitations I have, you know, and they would be like either like book out the door, then you could could decipher, okay, was this person around just for, you know, sexual intimacy reasons, or do they actually want to get to know you and are respectful of you? And you can kind of, it's easy to like figure out people, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And it's why I have a partner for 22 years now is that Mm -hmm. I have patience, kindness, understanding, caring, trust, You know, I have somebody who gets that I'm not 16 and a gymnast with all these, you know, Mm -hmm. um, inhibitions or an uninhibited um, person rather. Um, I, I have physical limitations that prevent me from being emotionally uninhibited, I guess, is where I'm going with this. My, I become emotionally inhibited because of my physical limitations. So that's kind of where I was going with this. There's, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's a real drag sometimes. I'll say that for sure.
0: Exactly. And I mean, I, I've, I know what you're meaning because I'm just like, I just want to be able to enjoy and, and be able to be like you know no health issues and enjoy myself and not have to worry about the consequences and the pain you're going to feel during and after. It's so yeah, important like to your body right, and
1: you want to have that ability to be spontaneous all the time, and it's just not possible um, for every juncture and um, just don't you just don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> And you just Absolutely. can't feel good all the time. And I and I often don't feel good. It brings a whole new meaning to the words. I've got a headache.
0: hmm
1: It really does. And I don't mean to be flip about that
0: at all. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a real thing. So I know I don't want to like dive personal into your, you know, your own situation, but are you able to let me know if was it kind of trial and error for you? Like you had to figure out like with your partner, cause I'm, that's what I'm worried about. Like, oh, I'm gonna, it's gonna take me years to figure this out or what if somebody leaves because I can't, you know, like the back and forth of trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Uh, yeah, like, was it it's, immediate it's, for you?
1: Uh, no, it's, it wasn't immediate at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't immediate at all. It was, um, it was um, time over time and just um, trust building. It was like any any relationship where you have, it's a a skill that needed to be built over time. Yeah. Is there any, oh, go ahead, sorry. Any any challenge that needed to be met in the relationship, it had to be built over time for sure.
0: And I think it's definitely important to make note of like when people with health issues, And are intimate they have to build up that you know emotional bond i for me this is me personally i have to build up that emotional bond way more than just like giving out you know the intimacy because it takes so much out of us you know
1: right that's i mean that's the other thing too at what cost are we Mm -hmm. going to do this exactly you know what is what is the what is the recovery process going to look like? And that's for anybody with an invisible illness and it's it's actually called the spoon theory. You know, like, yeah, it's called the spoon theory. So it's the idea that you're holding a number of spoons in your hand and each activity that you conduct during the day costs you so many spoons and at the end of the day, you're out of spoons or whatever, and it costs you so much recovery to pick up your spoons.
0: Mm.
1: Um, it's a it's a very popular theory, and I I didn't do it justice in describing it, but you can um, look it up. And um, anyway, so. And they call people with invisible disabilities Spoonies.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, um, yeah, so you, it's this theory that at what, at what cost are you conducting these activities during your day? And that you need to hold on to some spoons so that you have some for the next day or, you know, to do
0: another activity or whatever it is. So. I think you did justice. I think you did great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's hard to explain that one. And speaking of something that takes out a lot of spoons, you know, I, you know, that I just finally got my dis- like disability hearing and I know that you're familiar with the SSDI process.
1: Yes, I am. So, um, I spent seven years of my life, um, pursuing SSDI and Um, Ended up um, not being successful, but um, kind of running it from the application, initial application, to the Supreme Court level of Mm. hearing to find out that I'm disabled, but I'm just not disabled enough. What? (laughs) That's that's, um, kind of what I took from the whole experience and my file, Kimberly, you would be just shocked on how thick my file is at the social security office. It's just disgusting.
0: Um, Do you think it's with every state or is it, is North Dakota pretty hard? Cause my brother has been in the process for almost 12 years and has not gotten anything.
1: Right. And my uncle, um, had, multiple sclerosis and in an advanced state and was denied for something like 13 years and then ended up getting back pay to the three months prior to the date of application. Wow. Yeah, it's, so I don't know if it's North Dakota, the Midwest, if it's, um, I was told at one point it was because my age of application was very young and I was very educated. I don't know if that was the case. I was just told that at one point by a certain individual that had worked within the system. But um, yeah, it's um, a very frustrating, very demeaning, very demoralizing, and not a person centered approach to individuals with disabilities at all. And um, I think it makes people feel really unheard. That's my two cents on the social security disability process. Um, I feel like um, people who need it aren't getting it. And people who get it don't need it and i just mm-hmm. feel like it's really dysfunctional
0: i a hundred percent agree and yeah. even like i remember just walking into like the to get like papers for the you know even first when i was first applying they're like are you sure this is what you want you don't look sick and i couldn't believe just like the are you kidding me like people people can be sick and not look at it. you know what i mean right and that's just the problem. That's the
1: office that you go to for help. And this is the approach that they're coming at you with.
0: So horrible. There's so many people out there that deserve to have, you know, to be heard and their, their stories heard, their voices heard, and then they just get shut down. And then after a while, you're just like, what can I do? What, what, what am I supposed to do? Right.
1: It's just, um, it's just a very lost system. And I'm just seeing, you know, throughout all the years that I've worked in social services, I've just seen so many people that are just really, really ill that don't receive any sort of um, assistance from the quote unquote system that really could be benefiting from some social assistance and then as I mentioned there are uh, many individuals who receive assistance who aren't um receiving the benefits mm-hmm. you know what I mean so it's it's mm-hmm. like a, this unbalanced um and un, um, unchecked system it just seems very dysfunctional to me
0: and I, and, go like, ahead. Mm-hmm. I know that you've had, you know, I know that you currently work and everything right now, and I know that you absolutely love your job, and I want you to talk more about it. But it's just, you know, that the the system could hear more stories, you know, and like hear you out more, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I work in homeless services. Um, and homeless prevention. And um, I started about three and a half years ago, I started working at a Salvation Army in Fargo. And I currently work at a community action agency um, doing tenant supports for people who are coming out of homelessness and moving into supported apartments. They just need a little bit of um support in terms of maybe some rental assistance, utility assistance, just that little extra boost to keep them housed while they sort of get on their feet mm-hmm. and get reassimilated into um, society as we kind of know it. Although you um, like to approach it from a housing first standpoint, let's get people into housing right away and off the street level of homelessness. We need to get people into supported housing.
0: It's so important what you do. You know, speaking from somebody that was homeless for a year with my elderly mother in California, the we are only here in a house today because of people. Like you, like what you do, and thank you from the absolute bottom of my heart for, you know, being that you know empathetic. You're you're giving your time and, and energy into something that really does change people's lives. So thank you on
1: Oh, bless you so much. I'm so humbled, Kimberly. <laughs> thank you. I'm so, you know, I'm so honored. By you, and I'm so honored by the people that I serve. That I um, am just, I am every day that I get to um, hold someone in my arms, or wipe a tear, or feed a hungry stomach, or um, hear a story, or. Um, um, be called sister or auntie or, um, anything like that. Um, I'm just blessed and I feel like I, um, have been, I I don't know. I feel that that's where my, um, talents lie and I am I'm, I'm truly humbled. Thank you, Kimberly.
0: Of course. Of course. I'm enjoying talking with you so much, but we're going to have to wrap up the podcast. And I just wanted to have you say something to, if anybody's listening to your story or anybody's going through some of the things that you've gone through, is there anything that you would want them to know? Um, don't
1: be afraid to um, get medical attention I think it's important that you find out what um, you're dealing with and get information um, for yourself. Do your own research. Um, Get multiple medical um, opinions. Um, Get non-traditional medical opinions. advice from non-traditional healers i think that's um valid mm-hmm. i um, think that um, non-traditional and traditional medicine can be used in combination um very productively um i don't know that's probably the most racy thing i've said for a tattooed bald
0: lady um, <laughs> are you- Beautiful pictures, by the way, I was going to tell you that you would take the most beautiful pictures.
1: Oh, thank you. my
0: husband takes them with his telephone. Shout out to your husband, man of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so
1: that's, a, I have, that's really what I would say is that just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Take care, take care of your emotional health, mental health matters. Yep, be your own advocate and listen to yourself. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Yes, Kimberly, great advice. (laughs) If you had three wishes,
1: yeah.
0: You were able to have them granted, what would they be?
1: Um okay. So I kind of threw that
0: at you. I like to ask that to people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, one wish would be that every single person on this planet had the same dignity and respect as the next person standing next to them. Mm, Um, that we all had the same human, um, undeniable rights as each other. And I'm speaking to, um, people of color and I'm speaking to people experiencing um, racial indignity and um, economic indignity and any sort of um, phobic uh, reactions in the LGBTQI community or any um, of those marginalized um, groups I'm speaking to you and telling you that I love you and that I'm showing you kindness and dignity and respect. And that's my biggest wish is that we all share and love each other. So that's just a little thing that I'm wishing for. Mm -hmm. Um, Two would be that um, my grandchildren grow up Knowing that they are loved unconditionally and without mm-hmm. judgment, and that their grandma will always have gum. Um, and three, that my children will know that they were chosen by me, hand picked. And loved so much that it hurts my heart to be so full and so blessed. And I love you, Kimberly.
0: And I thank you for this time. I love you so much. I'm crying. I'm crying over here. Oh, that was the most beautiful answers. Oh, I could you. have ever asked for like <laughs> you know um, I'm so grateful for you and I want everyone to be able to reach out to you and to get to know you and you know just have you impact their lives so is there any way that you could share any social media that people can reach out to you to
1: yeah you know what I'm really. I'm an anti-tech person and I'm so sorry. So what I'm going to do is get real up close and personal with you and just tell you that my name is Rhonda Gilbertson Evans and you can get me on Facebook and I have an Instagram page that I think Gilbertson Evans are, I'm going to link it um, and you can come at me and I will share my poetry and the beautiful pictures that Lauren Renee Starling at Starling Artistry um, on Facebook, and I believe she's got Instagram. Um, She takes awesome photographs of me. Um, My husband takes great photographs of me, Brian Evans, and Mm
0: -hmm. um, yeah. I'll, I'll come at me. Yay. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Beyond words for being on the, like my podcast today. And it was wonderful talking to you Rhonda. Oh, I love you, Kim. I love you too. We'll have to do a part two soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank you. Have, have a, a great wonderful evening. day. <laughs> have a wonderful Bye-bye, day. Honey. Bye. Wait, 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 wait. Before you stop listening, Rhonda, This message is for you. Do you understand or even realize or fathom how amazing, incredible, resilient, brave, strong, smart, beautiful, empathetic, genuine person that you are? You have been the most wonderful friend. And I've had this honor to call you my friend these past years. You give so much of yourself to everyone you light up a room when you walk into it you light up my life when I look on Facebook and I see your wonderful posts your encouraging uplifting posts you always make sure that you tailor everything that you say to that person not one thing is the same you are incredible and the fact that you are such a fighter and a warrior a survivor and an overcomer if that is not inspiration in itself I don't know what what is You have encouraged me to keep being myself. To keep being okay and love who I am. And I know that the people listening feel the same way too. You have impacted so beautifully everybody that you have come in contact to. The fact that you told your story and were so vulnerable with the world means everything. I hope that you know what an amazing person that you are and that everybody that you meet and has the honor to call you their friend. You've given them the best gift possible. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for coming on my podcast today. And I am so glad that you exist in the same time as me. I love you so much. You matter so, so, so much to this world. Never forget that.